Good morning. I hope you guys are doing very good. As Mark was just saying, we, we have a good God that does amazing things for us. But you have to realize also that He does amazing things through us. That a lot of the work that God gets done on this earth is done through His people. And this is why this series is so important. Because we identified a real success as living for your God-given purposes. He has a purpose for you. He has works that He had planned for you to do before you were even born. And we talked about that as real success, and then we, we asked, okay, but how do I discover my purpose? And we said, okay, well, you have to analyze your shape. How did God make you? Because He made you specifically to be able to perform precisely those tasks that He has in mind for you. Last week, Pastor Mark talked to us about probably the most important document that you can write down in your life, which is your personal mission statement, which is a document that will help you stay on track, remind you what the purposes of your life are, what the important things for you are, and that you just keep them in mind as you go. Now, I hope you're doing your homework. You know, if you're in a small group doing this study, chances are you're a little bit ahead, you know, in doing this homework. But see, I, I worked for a long time helping people write their mission statements, and there's something very interesting that happened to the people that did write them down. You know, many of them would tell me that just the fact that they wrote down their mission statement changed things in their hearts because writing it down pushes you to get in contact with your deepest values, the things that are most important to you. But then, you know, I would see people like every other month and I would ask them, so what has changed? What have you done about it? And some people would tell me, well, not much has changed. I've, I, 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 I haven't done much. And I'm like, but if you already know the things that you're supposed to do, why haven't you done them? And you know what the most common answer was? I haven't had time to do it. You know, I just haven't had the time. And it's interesting because, you know, we all have exactly the same amount of hours per week. You have 168 hours every week. So if there's people that are achieving certain things that you should be achieving and they're being able to do it, it's not a matter of not having enough time. It's a matter of not knowing how to manage your time. So this is exactly what we're going to learn today in this sermon that I titled Life Management. Let me pray for us and let's analyze what God has for us tonight. Tonight? No, not yet. Today. <laughs> let's pray. Father, uh, I thank you so much for your love, Lord, and I will just ask you to please open our eyes to how important for you it is that we use our time correctly, that we use our time wisely. Show us how many things your word has to say about the importance of this subject, because I know, Lord, that to many people this is not an important subject. They don't think it's even a spiritual subject, but if your word comes and tells us about it, clearly it is. So will you just show us today how important it is to you that we learn these things and that we put them into practice. We put ourselves in your hands, Lord, in the beautiful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I went to college. Um, my first year in college was 1980. I know. I just dated myself. Everyone in this room under 43 years of age was not born yet, you know, when I went to college. And I went to study um, something that was called cybernetic engineering. You know, it was computer stuff, 
okay? I was the first generation in that college of that major. And the first week that we were there, you know, they showed us a video where um, Hewlett Packard, who was a giant back then, had produced this video to show people what they considered was going to be the future of computers. So it was a video of a guy that entered his office, you know, and there would be a big screen on top of his desk, and he would start interacting with the computer, speaking. So he would say, computer, do I have any messages? And the little robot showed up in a small window and said, like, you have two messages. It's like, okay, uh, put me with this person. And another window would open, and this person would show up, and they would start having a conversation, and they would start talking about a budget. And, and he would say, computer, open the budget. And the computer would open the budget. You know, not too far away from where we're at. But when he finished, and remember, this was 1980, okay? Uh, when he finished, the, the guy said, by the year 2000, the biggest problem people are going to have is what to do with so much free time, because computers are going to be doing everything for us. Raise your hand if that's your problem. <laughs> what to do with so much time off? <laughs> you know, it seems like we have less time. No, I mean, the more equipment that we have, the more enslaved we are to it. And we always think, we don't have time. And this is very important, I'll tell you why. Because the Bible tells us that time is one of the two resources that you have that show what your values are. If you analyze how you use your time and how you use your money, you'll know what you truly value. You can lie to yourself all you want. Check your agenda, check your checkbook, and you'll know what you truly value. Now, of those two resources, the most important one is time. Because it's not renewable. Once you use the time, it's gone. Which means the time that you have, that's your life. When we say God gave us life, it means he gave us a certain amount of time to walk on this planet. So your time is your life. And just think of how crazy it sounds when people say, like, I'm just here killing time. Like, You're committing suicide, dude. You know, <laughs> it's like, that's your life. You know, so see, th this is the crucial thing. If you don't learn how to manage your time correctly, nothing else in your life will be manageable. Because that's how you manage your life, by using your time correctly. This is why I, we call this life management and not time management because this is how you manage your life the apostle paul in his letter to the ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16 said this so then be careful how you walk that means how you live your life not as unwise people but as wise making the most of your time because the days are evil See, what Paul is saying is like there are two ways in which you can live your life. One is as, as a wise person. The other one, you know, the word translated here as unwise, it means fool. It says you can live like a wise person unlike a fool. What is the difference? Wise people make the most of their time. What does that mean? Well, when you use your time to live for the purposes that God has for you, that's when you're making the most of your time. In other words... When you organize your life around the mission that God sends you to fulfill. This is why this is so important that you take the steps that we've been teaching and you write your mission statement. See, a lot of people think that good 
time management means that if I really organize my time well, I'm going to be able to get a lot more done. But good management is exactly the opposite. When people manage their life properly, they do a lot less because they only concentrate on the things that will get them to fulfill their purpose and get rid of all the distractions. So you end up having less things to do in the day, but only the things that will get you to fulfill your purposes. And this is what we have to do in order to fulfill our mission statement. So you can do this by following four very simple, I didn't say easy, very simple steps. If you do these four things, you're going to manage your life correctly. Number one, you have to define your goals around your mission. See, uh, you have to write down goals that you want to fulfill, but they have to be written around your missions. As we saw you know, uh, in, in last week's message, this is not a matter of just putting goals. You know, just saying, okay, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to achieve this. No, it has to be around your mission. Because if you do it around your mission, it means you are using your shape, you know, in order to fulfill your purpose. And this is very important because when you concentrate on the purposes of God based on your shape, what you do is you start kind of like focusing on the things that God really wants you to do. See, the, the, it is crucial because you know what the world tries to sell to us? They say, you can do anything you set your mind to. You can get anything you want. If you just set your mind to it, you can do it. I'm sorry to tell you this, but that's not true. You can't. You can't just do anything you want. It doesn't matter how hard you try. Not everything. Like, I can tell you, okay, I'm going to work for the next five years. I'm going to practice 12 hours a day. I'm going to hire some coaches, and I'm going to end up singing like Taylor Swift. You know? And I can try really hard, work every day for the next five years, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm not going to get to that. I'm not going to enjoy it. And chances are, you're not going to enjoy it either if I try to sing here like Taylor Swift. You cannot just do anything you want, but I'll tell you what you can do. You can do everything God made you to do. Everything. And you know why? Because he equipped you for it. He made you in a specific way so that you can do every single purpose he has planned for you. So your, your goals have to flow out of the purposes of God that we express in our mission statement. See, in order for you to be able to do the things that we're going to study today, that we're studying right now, you have to have identified what is God's purpose for you. And remember, you do that by analyzing your shape. You have to identify the different roles that you have in your life today. Pastor Mark talked about that last week. You know, different roles are, you can see it as different sets of responsibilities that we have in our lives. That some, some of them interconnect, but they're independent from each other. For example, I am a husband. If I want to have a good marriage, there's a lot of responsibilities that I have to fulfill to have a good marriage. I'm also a father. And I have responsibilities to be a good father. But being a good husband doesn't make me a good father. And people that confuses those things think that just because they were a great father, they were a great husband. And that's not the case. So you have to divide the roles and say, okay, I have those sets of responsibilities. I also am in charge of my body. That's another role. 
my physical body. You know, I also have extended family. I have friends. I have a career. I have to prepare for it. We'll talk more about these things in a minute. But you have to identify all the different roles that you have in your life. And then you write down how will your purpose will be reflected in your roles. And when you write that down, that's your mission statement. You have your document. Okay? And then out of that mission statement, you have to come up with goals for each one of your roles. How do you identify these goals? So you have to answer the question, what does success look like when I fulfill my purpose on each one of these roles? You know, for each thing that I have in my life, what would success look like? So you're going to end up with a list of goals for each role, and having done that, that's going to help you focus on the sphere of work that God has assigned you. Did, did you know that God had assigned you a sphere of influence, a sphere of work? Look at what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, we will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. Paul here is talking about, you know, he's, he's writing this to the people in Corinth because there was a group of people that were boasting that they had done the work that Paul had done there. So Paul is saying, like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to boast about job that we didn't do. We will confine our boasting to the sphere of service that God himself has assigned us. So God has assigned you and he has assigned me a sphere of influence, a sphere of work. And it's important that you know which one that is because this is how God is going to measure us. See, the Bible is very clear. We're going to enter into heaven by faith alone. It's through faith, you know, by grace, we're going to be in there. But once you're there, we are going to be judged by God based on what do we do with the talents that he gave us to fulfill his purposes? He's going to want to know, did you do what I sent you to do? And if you didn't, I don't think he's going to be very happy. Imagine, imagine that you want to paint your house. So you hire a guy, you know, and you tell him, okay, I want you to paint all the walls of this color. Here are the buckets. You have enough paint. Here are the paint brushes. Here's all the equipment. Here's a lot of paper to cover the furniture. You know, I'm going to be gone for a month, so when I come back, I want all the walls to be painted this color. And you leave for a month. And then you come back a month later, and the walls were not painted. And you ask the guy, hey, what happened with the painting? He's like, well, I didn't paint the walls, but, but I did clean the floors, rearrange all your, your things. You know, I, I mowed the lawn. And Would you be happy? Would you say, well, at least you did that? if you hired him to paint. Like, you're not going to be very happy, and God is not going to be very happy if he sent you to do something, gave you everything you needed to do it, and when you come there, you're just like, I just didn't have time. I was busy rearranging the kitchen. You know, we need to know what this fear of service is, and we have to identify the goals long-term that we need to you know, pursue in order to fulfill the work that God sent us to do. So, so you may ask, well, how do I do that? Listen, I'm going to tell you of an exercise that you can do. This is, this is hard, but if you do it, if you go through it and do it correctly, it may change the direction of your life, okay? Select a day where you are going to have like at least two, three hours.
to do an exercise of visualization. Sit down in a comfortable place where there's no sound around, no interruptions. Do a few breathing exercises until you're fully relaxed, empty your mind, and then try to imagine as vividly as possible that you're in a room like this where they're celebrating your life because it's your funeral. And what you're going to witness in your imagination is each person that is important to you in your life walking up here and giving a testimony of your life. What kind of husband or wife were you? What kind of support were you to your mate? What legacy did you leave for your kids? What example did you leave for them? What kind of co-worker, what kind of support were you to your friends? How did you take care of the relationships? Every single relationship important in your life. But this is what I want you to do. I don't want you to come up in your imagination with what they would say today. What would you love for them to say that day? What would make your heart jump with joy if they came up and said what? See, if you do that for every relationship and you write that down, you are identifying what it means to have success on each one of those roads. And you write it down. This is what I am going to become in each one of my roles, okay? And then what you do is you compare where you are today to where you were in your imagination. And if you're not there, that's a goal. You write down that goal, I'm going to be this type of husband or wife, I'm going to be this type of father, I'm going to be this type of brother, this type of friend, this type of worker, this type, every single one, that's a goal. So you have to have goals for every single one of your roles, okay? Your mission is going to turn into reality when you start pursuing those goals. Once you have all those goals written, what's next is to divide them in weekly activities. Number two says identify weekly activities starting with your relationships. Weekly activities starting with your relationships. Look. I spend a lot of time when I was a consultant teaching people how to manage their time. And I taught them how to use very complicated tools. I don't know if you ever used like the Franklin organizers or the Franklin Covey agendas. Those are complex tools to manage time. And I taught people how to do it, how to you know, set goals and you know, write them down. And what I realized is that most of the time their life didn't get better. You know, it, it, it didn't improve much. And this is why. There's two things that happen. Number one, most people, the only thing that they use their organizers for is for one role, their professional role. You know, all the activities for work are written down. And there's no space for people in their agendas. And the other mistake is that a lot of people, because of our human nature, we confuse the importance of things with the urgency of things. See, every activity that you do in your life has those two factors. It has a level of importance and a level of urgency. We confuse them because we don't stop to think about what the difference is. So the urgent takes over. You know, it, it invades our time. So what's the difference? See, an urgent activity is something that requires immediate attention. That's the only thing that makes it urgent. You know, how immediate does it need attention? So there's, there's 
emergencies around us, no? Like, if, if you are in your house and all of a sudden the, the kitchen catches on fire, that's an urgent activity. See, it's hard to put off. You cannot say, I'll get to it later. I'm really busy right now. You know, it's urgent. It, it requires immediate attention. But what makes an activity important? You know what does? An activity is important only if it gets you closer to a goal that you have set. Do you see the importance of writing down goals? So this is why people waste a lot of time in their life. If you don't have goals written down, how do you know that what you're doing is what you should be doing? To what do you compare it? You don't know. You're, you're going blind. But if you have goals in every single role, when you're doing something, you can say, is this what I should be doing? Does it get me closer to this goal? Is this activity productive? See, we confuse activity with productivity. Just doing things doesn't get you to goals. Just doing the things that get you to the goals are productive. And see, the reality is that there is a combination of things, that, of activities that we face in our lives. There are things that are urgent and important. Those you need to attend because they require immediate attention, but they also get you closer to a goal. But you realize that there are things that are urgent but not important? If you stop to analyze them, you realize, I'm wasting my time. Yes, it, it, it calls me, but it doesn't get me close to any goals. And then the other side of that coin, there are things that are very important, but they're not urgent. And because they're not urgent, we rarely do them. It's like you realize how important it is that you have a time with your mate by yourself where, where you just listen to each other? You just talk without distractions? If you're a parent, you realize how important it is for you to have a one-on-one -on -one with your kids away from everyone else so they don't have to fight for your attention with no one else? You know, in your work, if you're a boss, you realize the importance of having time with the people that you work with to understand them, know their background, where they come from, what do they behave, what they behave, you know, what they fear, what they're hoping to achieve. Those things are crucial, but are they urgent? No. And that's why we never do them. So, see, I try to teach these people how to do these things with all these complicated tools, but then I realize that there's a very simple way to identify these activities. Start with your relationships. That's why the point says start with your relationships. Start with people. The Bible tells us that the most important thing that is around you is the people around you. You know, people are the only eternal thing that you're seeing here. Everything else will pass, but people are eternal. Okay, so we must organize our activities based on our relationships. Now, in order to do this correctly, you have to hit the five areas of relationships that we all have. Yeah? It says in your notes, five areas of relationships in your life. It's like a, you know, concentric circles that open up. The first one starts with you. It says yourself. You have to identify activities for self-growth. You have to set goals for self-growth and pursue them by setting these activities. Our example of life is Jesus. Look at what Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Those are the four areas of growth that you need to set goals for yourself. Wisdom. 
That is your intellectual area. Your professional career, whatever you do for a living, you need to set goals for that. That is also an important part of your life. You know, God didn't say just think of the spiritual and don't think of the world. No, you need to survive. You have to be wise about these things. So what do you need to prepare yourself to be where you want to be? What would you like to become, professionally speaking? Who's responsible for preparing you? You know, don't look at other people. You are responsible for you. So how do you get to where you want to get? Set goals. Stature means physically. You need to take care of your body. That's another resource that God gave you. And, and you realize that that resource affects the other ones in a direct way. How do you perform at work when you go to work sick? Do you do good? Do you feel 100%? You can't because you're sick. So that's why we have to work on being healthy, being within our weight limit, eating properly. And I know you're thinking, how's that spiritual? Well, that affects everything else that you do because your body doesn't let you work. So set goals for yourself physically. And then it says, in the favor with God, which means spiritually. This one, by far, is the most important area of your life. See, this one should guide everything else. See, what we understand from the Bible is that God gave you a spirit to guide you. Your spirit, if you feed it, if you're constantly exercising your communication with God and feeding it, and this is so important that after this series, we're going to have a series on spiritual disciplines. Because if you start feeding your spirit, your spirit will become the compass that guides you through life. And that compass always points at the true north, which is God's will. But if you don't feed it, you know what happens? The appetites of your body win over the appetites of the spirit. And then you get yourself in all kinds of messes. So you need to feed your spirit. And this is where you are going to start changing your character. Remember when Pastor Mark talked about the character of your life? When you start feeding your spirit, you're going to realize the importance of being an honest person, a responsible person, a person of integrity, a person of humility, of those principles that will turn you into the character of Jesus Christ. So you need to set goals spiritually. And then it says, and all the people. That's the rest of the other area, so I'm going to go to them, okay? But you need to set goals for your personal growth. Letter B says, your family. Do you understand that the people that you live with are your main and most important ministry? If you're married, your mate is your most important ministry. If you are not married, live with your parents, your family is a ministry. You should shine with the light of God in your home. If you're a parent, your kids are your second most important ministry. First your wife or husband, then your kids. Paul says in Ephesians, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 5.8, he says, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. See, in, in, in biblical times, for a Jewish person to call another one an unbeliever was an insult. So then if you don't take care of your own people, you know, you're like an unbeliever, a person that doesn't believe in God. So you need to have goals in order to connect deeply with the people of your family. Letter C says, your family in Christ. You are in a family. We become members 
of God's family. Ephesians 2.19, the Apostle Paul says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are, a mem you are members of God's family. Do you have written down goals about connecting with the people that is trying to go in the same direction as you're going? You know, that's the importance of small groups, ministries, serving days. You are connecting with your family in Christ. Letter D says your job. And, and remember, here I'm talking about relationships. Um, interesting fact, um, around uh, the 80s, Harvard University published a study that other universities didn't really believe them the results, so they did their own studies and they all came with the same conclusion. Harvard was wondering why some of their students would come out, you know, they finished what they were studying, and they went into the world, and some of them would have incredible success, and some other ones with the same, you know, uh, uh, grades would fail, would have a hard time succeeding in life. So they started studying them, they followed them for years, and this is what they discovered. They said, 15% of the reason of the success of a person at work has to do with the knowledge they have of their work. Did you hear that? 15, 1-5% of your success is everything that you have learned about what you do. If you went to college, all your education, if you were mentored and people with experience taught you, all that knowledge combined amounts to 15% of the reasons why you succeed. 85% of the reasons of success is the ability to relate correctly with other people. That doesn't mean you don't need the first 15%, but that's your ticket to get in. In order to get up, you need to know how to love people. So Daniel Goleman, a psychologist, wrote a book during the 80s also that called this emotional intelligence. He said, the most successful people are people that are emotionally intelligent. That means that they can identify your emotions and treat you accordingly. And they identify their own emotions and they are aware of how they affect them in their relationships with others. So you take an interest on how other people are. Look what uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Isn't that interesting? Harvard and Daniel Goldman discovered what the Bible said 2,000 years ago. <laughs> this is what they're telling us all along. If you, if you care for the people around you, and if you want to be successful at what you do in your work, the people are the most important thing. So you have to invest time, you have to have goals written about how to deepen the relationships with the people that you have at work. And the last one says, your world. You know, the rest of the world, outside of those relationships, the world that God has assigned you. And that's, that has to do with two things. One has to do with your mission. What kind of heart did God give you? Remember when we talked, the inclinations of your heart push you to go and serve certain people. So. What's your message? Pastor Mark talked about the message of your life. You know, to whom are you going to go? The other one is 
Where did God place you? See, God strategically put you in a place where you have influence of certain people. The family where he put you, you know, the neighbors that you have, the friends in school, the, the parents of your kids' friends, you know, the, the place where you exercise. And, and sometimes God puts these inclinations inside our hearts that take us far away. And this is why some people go to the other side of the world to be of influence. And some people don't have that calling, but the influence is wherever your world is. So do you have goals written, you know, to, to that effect? Because that, this is what God placed us in this world to do, to love the people around us. Do, remember what the second most important commandment is? Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. Jesus speaking says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So to whom are you going to be a neighbor? You remember the parable of, of, of the Good Samaritan? That they ask Jesus, who, who's my neighbor? And the question turns up like, who are you going to be a neighbor to? So who are you going to be a neighbor to? Because that's your world. So if you identify all these activities that have to do with your relationships, your life is going to start changing dramatically. But there's more to do. Number three, once you have identified all these activities, you have to align your agenda with your values. Okay? You have to write them down. You have to set them in your agenda. And here's a piece of advice. Say, you have heard me talk about 168 hours a week. Why do I talk about a week? Uh, experts in management of time have discovered that if you try to manage your life in chunks of one day, that is very hard to produce properly because a day is too short. So what you will do is get a list of things to do and keep pushing some all the time outside of the day. What they advise is do it in chunks of a week. So what you're going to do is you're going to pick a day, which is going to be your management day. Whatever day you want, but always the same day of the week. It can be Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, Monday first thing in the morning, whatever you want. But it's going to be always the same day at the same time. Okay? So you pick that. And you're going to need, clearly, a tool, an agenda, a notebook. It doesn't have to be, you know, something fancy, okay? And, and preferably, have your mission statement in the first page. Read it every day. It's going to start changing you just reading it, okay? If you did your homework, you're going to have a list of goals for each area of relationship. So then every week, what you're going to do is you pick one of the long-term goals and ask yourself this question. What can I do this week? to get a little closer to that goal. What, what is the first step that I can take towards that? And it's going to look different depending on, you know, the, the type of goal that you're trying to achieve. For example, if, if, um, if I'm trying to get better relationship with my kids, what I would do is like, I'm going to try to get a date to see each one of my kids once a month and just take them to a place where I can hear, where does that fit in my agenda? You know, this week, who am I taking? What day do I have the time to do it? And put it there. Um, there are some activities that more than finding a place in your agenda are a change of your, the way that you focus life at. For example, if you want to improve, if I want to improve my relationship with my wife, maybe, and this is one that I used many years ago when I was doing this, I was like, I have to learn to listen to her better. See, that's not an activity that requires a date. 
It was more like write it every day in my agenda of that week so that every time I opened my agenda, I reminded myself I have to listen to my wife better. You cannot put it on a day. You can say, Wednesday at 8, I'm going to listen to her. So I'm going to come and say, speak. I'm listening. You know, like, it doesn't work like that. You know, you just have to remember during the whole week that you're going to make an effort to listen better. You know, but you will start, you know, doing these things. And, and, and here's the trick, and this is why doing it in a week matters. When you, see, these activities that I'm talking about are important but not urgent. And when you have those activities and something that is important and urgent shows up, it's very easy to displace those activities. The trick here is never get it out of the week. If it's really an emergency that interferes, move it inside the week. But as much as you can, respect those as serious appointments. When I was a consultant, I would open my agenda talking to directors of companies when they wanted to have meetings with me. And I would have, in certain times, like hanging out with my son Alex or taking Karina to the movies. And he would be like, well, we can do it there. You can move that now. And I was like, well, they're actually more important than you. You know, I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not moving that. You know, it's not an emergency. We can find another time. So, so get it into your head. These are important things. And what's going to happen is people is going to start showing up in your agenda as well as activities of growth for yourself. So little by little, your mission is going to start directing your life. And just remember that the key to success here is balance. You have many roles. If you sit down and analyze them, you're going to find at least six to seven roles. And the, you will not be able to work at the seven roles every week, but you have to keep rotating them so that you have balance in your life. People tend to just go into one or two roles, and this is why life's turned into a mess. You have to pay attention to all of them, and I'm going to tell you why. The role that you don't pay attention to, that you don't assign time to, tends to disappear. If you don't pay attention to your marriage, your marriage is going to disappear. You don't give time to your kids, the relationship with your kids is going to disappear. You don't pay attention to your health, your health is going to disappear. You don't pay attention to your spiritual life, your life is going to be a mess. So you need to rotate all the goals. And remember, because you're probably thinking right now, man, as it is, I have very little time, and now you're coming up with all these things. Remember, the point is to invest, the, the biggest investment of time that you're going to make is Analyze your shape, write your mission statement, you know, and set goals. That's going to take you a few hours. After that, every week that you sit down and just organize your next week should take you like 10 minutes. And your life is going to start changing direction. Because the point is to do less of the things that are distracting you and more of the things that guide you in the right direction. So here's homework for you. If you do this, you're going to realize how doable this is. I'm going to invite you to analyze how do you use your time during three days of your week. Pick three days of normal work and maybe print a piece of paper with chunks of time of like 15 minutes. I don't know what time you wake up. If you wake up at 6, start 6, 6.15, 6 6.45, 7. And then for three days, write down everything that you do and be honest with yourself. This is for you, so don't lie to yourself. Okay, so if you spend half an hour on the phone while you're working, but five minutes were working, 25 minutes gossip or the football game or whatever, write it down. 
Because if you go through three days of doing this, look, I did this with, with executives. I followed executives to see what they did with their time. And you know what we found out? Most people waste between four and five hours a day. You're going to find out that you're killing yourself, literally. You're wasting your time. And you don't even notice. See, a lot of people are doing urgent things that are not important. So they think, they feel like they're doing something. And when they look at it and they analyze, they go like, I wasted four hours of my day. I could have done something else. See, if you don't have enough time, one of two things are happening. Either you are not doing things right, that means you're not working smart, or you're doing the wrong things. You're wasting your time in things that you should not pay attention to. Okay? So write them down. And then the last step, which seems like, okay, that's not that important, this one will determine if you will succeed or not. If you do the first three, you have to do this one in order to succeed. It says, evaluate at the beginning of every week what happened and what needs to change. That means the first week, you, you know, have your goals, set activities. The next week on your managing time day, you open your agenda and the, the first thing you do is you analyze what happened last week. You say, okay, did I do this? Why didn't I? And be honest. Okay, maybe uh, this was not the very first thing that I could do. I, I have to do this other thing first. Okay, set it in your agenda for next week. You know, if, if you notice that there's one that you keep skipping and skipping and skipping, then question yourself, is this really a goal that I want to achieve? Am I trying to please someone else? Is this not something God put in my heart because I really don't feel like doing this at all? You know, you have to be honest. But if you start doing this evaluation, you know, real success will start happening because you're going to be managing your life according to what God put you here to do. Listen, I started this message by telling you that we all have the same amount of hours every week. But you know what we do not have the same? We don't have the same amount of weeks in our life. God has assigned us a specific period of time to be on this earth. And the more you are aware of the fact that your time is limited and life goes fast, the wiser you're going to be. See, the Bible tells us this in Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. When you realize how fast time goes and that it's going to be over when you least expect it, you start being wiser about how you use your time. And listen, this is a lesson I wish I had learned a lot younger. Because I know the time that I wasted that I could have invested in my kids. And if you're an adult with adult kids, you know how they grow and live and go so fast. And, and listen, I think I was a good father. I mean, three of my four kids say so. You know, three out of four is not that bad, you know. <laughs> but I know what I could have done different. I wish I had learned this earlier. And you know what's very ironic? When I talk to adult, you know, older people about these things, they say, I wish I had learned that earlier. But when I say it to young people, they say, nah, I'm fine. I'm doing okay. They don't pay attention. They don't realize how fast this goes. There's a lady in our church that 
years ago started giving us as a present every year at the beginning of the year a calendar one of those that every page is one day have you seen them you know the day and, and a verse usually so you go ripping them off as time passes and it was great the first time that she gave it to me and I started using it because it gave me a visual image of what was happening in my life you know also started getting thinner and thinner and thinner and one day I realized I thought however I'm going to use this day today it better be worth it because I'm gonna give a day of my life for this you know the only way that at the end of your life you're going to think this life was worth living is if you fulfill the purposes that God put you to fulfill here is if you reach those goals that you set in your visualization those are the things that are going to truly make you think that you succeeded no one has ever been in their deathbed saying I wish I had worked more hours no one you know the, the, the most bitter tears on top of tombstones are the ones that are shed for words that were never said my prayer is that you will realize how crucially important this is that you will have no regrets and at the end of your life you'll be able to say to God I brought you glory on this earth because I fulfilled the work that you assigned me to do let's pray father it is so easy for us to be distracted in this world full of shining things and troubles and pain and please father don't let us waste our life help us realize how crucially important it is that we truly understand our time is limited and you do have work for us to do help us concentrate in that work Lord help us understand that the people are to be loved that every time that we find troubles and resistance another opportunity to refine our faith and keep pushing forward so help us Lord because we want to give you glory with our lives and we need your help for that so we put ourselves in your hands and it's in the powerful name of your son Jesus Christ that we do amen